This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friends, which includes, but it's not limited to, my man, Jamin. What's poppin', baby? Wow, I wasn't expecting that jump. The channel is here. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm good. Yeah. Good. Life is good, you know? King of the Mountain, That's blogger right. of the year. Wow. Most blogger. important person. You didn't even blogger show up. Year. No. You, that's the real no. flex complete <laughs> no nah, i had things to do man i was hanging out with lily we were just watching some tv playing with the Stop. dogs <laughs> you the actively chose not to go it. yeah I was, hang I was just hanging out like i knew like i wasn't going I, I, look, look i'm busy okay <laughs> tell him james yeah, that, that i can relate to yeah you sure. i i watched the the pod a couple days ago where you kind of hit on like the jadedness of the whole thing and like just the corporate feel and i was just like you know what I got vacuuming to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, let's 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 dive into this a little bit. I, I hate to put you on the spot. No, but shoot. I actually really enjoy putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, you know, we've known each other for quite some time. You were one of my favorites coming up. I I tell this story all the time, but when the vlogging scene first started to mature and become a little bit more, uh, let's say, eclectic. Mm -hmm. that, that's a, a good word for it. After the Trooper Nimi era. Uh, after us and once like brad started to really gain a lot of headway there was you that came onto the scene shortly thereafter rampage uh maybe johnny was around that time as well and uh what i really gravitated towards yours was there was this underlying representation of the pool <laughs> and how they see the the collective peer group that they're playing against uh, what stood out to me, what, what, I, what I really tuned in for that I, I never turned away was whenever you were at the Aria and you were talking about all the tryhards. Jesus. And I was just like, man, this is so spot on. Yeah. But it was like also clear, I didn't know you at the time, but it was also like very clear to me. It's like, well, you know, this guy also is like a rec reg. Right. You know, he's, he's not exactly out there just like mashing faces as uh, the, the best player in the game. So it was, it was a great entertaining watch because you probably are better than a lot of the field, but it's also this slight level of projection where it's like, these guys are trying so fucking hard <laughs> to be so fucking perfect, and all I want to do is smash their faces in. 100%. That I, I got like a ton of entertainment out of that. So where are you now by comparison to there? Because I don't, I don't not, not saying your vlog fell off, I don't believe right. that to be true at all, but I think it's a very different tone yes. than it was six years ago. So... Like, oh, wow. So in the beginning, it was all just fun, right? There was no vlog space right. like, th like there is now. It was just, we were just doing this stuff for fun, risking, literally risking getting walked out by casinos because we had cameras, Yeah, um, which was a big faux pas. Mm -hmm. like bringing oh, they hated up. it, yeah. So there was no vlog space. There was no sponsorship money. There was no, I care about my subs and views. Like you just did what you did for fun. And um, that was then. Now it's a little bit different. 
now I, and this is just, you know, my own personal feelings. Um, I miss the creativity in the different creators. Mm-hmm. Um, like Brad had his, his style and Nimi did something that I, he still does something that I think is impossible, which is being able to play a hand and walk away in seconds later talk through the hand and his strategy and like without script, mm-hmm. just talk. Yeah. Um, Boski does the same thing and I try to do that and I just blabber all over myself. <laughs> it's really funny because what I remember the most about Nimi was all the B-roll. Yes. And Nimi, oh, he, was, he, oh, he, he had the, the drums. Yes. He was the king of B-roll. Yeah, right. Nimi had a ton of B-roll. Nimi would show you like pieces of Vegas that you never even really knew existed. Really cool, yeah. And the it fact, was, yeah, the was fact so that cool. he had the drone was just like amazing, right? Then it's I, an amazing show. I started basically as like a clone of Trooper. Like I was just trying to do Trooper, but just tell my story, right? And then Johnny started, and he was very artistic with his angles, and his, he was very into mm-hmm. photography and, and camera stuff. Um, and so we all had like our little niche, like until I found like my voice and wanted to do something kind of comic book based and um, do more than just kind of here I have Ace Queen. Right. And this is blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You just separate yourself. Yes. A bit. Yeah. I, I love the direction that took. By the way, I know that we kind of talked about it. Uh, I turned you on to was beyond, it beyond or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I I personally am really drawn to the creative aspect of it as well. Same. Uh, which is why I never consumed a lot of Brad. Right. Not that what he does is in any capacity not great. It's just, it is what it is. You know, it's that template, that hand, 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 jiggities, you know? (laughs) And it was like, well, I'm kind of too far along in my progression to care about a bunch of hand histories, but I could see where a lot of up and comers would fucking love He's not necessarily, we're not necessarily his audience. Exactly. And he has a huge audience Mm -hmm. that wants to see hand, 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 right? Right. So fast forward to now, and you have a ton, hundreds of creators that just mimic Brad. Yeah. Like they don't mimic Andrew. They don't mimic me. They just mimic Brad. Right. Which to me is just very strange. So unlike uncreative. It's unwatchable for me. But you know why? Yes. Everybody's just trying to hack the algorithm. Correct. Mm -hmm. Everything is just trying to mimic the previously successful iteration so that they can, you know, piggyback off of it and work their way up to however many Correct. hundreds of thousands. But subs. even, and you know, like Gary Vee will tell you, that's not the way there. Like that's Agreed. not how you get there. Like for instance, there is, there's a couple of vlogs that are creators that will spark my interest. So you, or so to speak. Um, the first one was slow poker. Slow poker came out with it. Something mm-hmm. that I thought is ingenious. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't watch a lot of poker vlogs. Like most creators don't watch a lot of poker vlogs. The other one um, just came out like, within a year or so this Corey Ireland, right? Where his thing is like, I'm gambling my whole net worth, which is cool because it's like, he's telling a story and he's showing, you know, his journey, which attracts people like me. But if creators from here on start seeing his success and all the creators start being like, well, I'm just going to gamble my whole net worth. Yeah, that could and, been th- you, Burke. and then there's hundreds of creators just gambling their net net worth. Yeah. That is the analogy to what people did with Brad. Like right. it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Right. But you know it, what I mean? It's, it's obvious that you can't replicate. Like the reason why Brad was so easily replicated is because it was templated, but nobody's been able to do it. 
well, it's because it's, it's tired. <laughs> yeah, like right? nobody's, it's old hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even the first person that tried to replicate Brad can't out Brad. Brad. Exa- right. Well, that's right. the thing. It's he is first, first to market. First, yes. yeah, first mover's advantage, right? right. Like, mm-hmm. especially whenever it's a templated process, <laughs> right. right? You know, like if you're just going to regurgitate something that's already been done, you have to find some sort of creative slant or some personality that makes you different. And I think that that kind of speaks to to what you're touching on here. Um, you know, Corey Iyer. It's it's almost a derivative of DePaulo. Yes. I, I haven't really watched it, so I'm sure their personalities are starkly different. DePaulo is very much like that in-your-face New Yorker type 100%. of personality. Um, but the reason why that can't be replicated is because it's costly. <laughs> it's fucking very yeah. expensive to be a degenerate. Right. You know? <laughs> so it's uh, it's very different. So so if you go back to, you know, like we started off back when I was calling our, all the Aria I'm dying because Guapo's like so enthralled by the conversation. He's staring at us and the camera's on the wrong person the whole time. Sometimes it happens. All right? No, Relax. it's good. It made, it made me feel good you're engaged. So, yeah. and so from like 2018 until now, there's been a, just a ton of changes. Everybody and their mother's a vlogger. They've created a vlog or they've tried to vlog, which is fine. But... It's just there's now like this baked in clout chasing. Mm. What are your numbers mm-hmm. piece to it that I could give two shits about? Right. Like, I really don't care anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like somebody asked me the other day, like, oh, how many subs do you have? Like, I have zero clue. 50,000. I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care about subs. I don't care about views. I don't care about any of this shit. Like, I just want to create something that I would consume. I would watch. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, I, like go watch somebody else. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me that way. I'm not looking for trophies. I'm not looking for the clout. I'm not, I'm not looking. And that's just so like, people think I'm just making this up. Like I'm not. So now when you go to the GPI awards, the first couple of years, it was exciting. It was yep. exciting to be nominated. I was like flattered. I was like, this is cool. And then, when I'm looking around the space and in my own head, I'm, and this is in my head, I'm thinking I am light. Like I'm, I'm head and shoulders more creative than this space. I'm head and shoulders putting more work. I do. And then just to get, like you said, snubbed, I was just like, you know what? I, like, why do I care? Like, I don't, and then I had to like do a deep dive into myself. Like, do I care? And I was like, you know what? I don't really care. Like, um, Lily and I were talking about trophies and, I, like you, played tons of sports coming up, all the sports, baseball, basketball, and you always got a trophy. And, you know, if you did good, you got a trophy anyway. And I look around uh, in my office right now, and I literally have one trophy. There was one trophy I kept from a cross-country race my freshman year in high school where I got second place, and I only got second place because I gave up. Well, now you have two. Yeah. So, so you kept the trophy that you gave up on? I, get, I kept the trophy. That's an interesting. Yeah, not the trophies that I won, not nope. the trophies for this. It was the trophy that I gave up on the race because I knew I quit internally. And yeah. I, that's and, a reminder. And that's to, a reminder yeah, of that. That like every that. time I, like I look that. at that trophy, right. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the race I quit. Right, yeah. Um, don't do that again. Right. Any right. of the other awards, corporate awards, like I don't, I, I just mm-hmm. don't, yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting because uh, I don't necessarily know that it's it's something that you would even need to like fault the academy for or anything like that. But I recognize what you're saying uh, because, and this this isn't a slight in any capacity, but it's it's one of those things where it's like if if you are now being acknowledged on the downside, 
mm-hmm. of your vlog, right? And that, I'm not this, I'm not trying to imply it fell off. I'm just trying to say that your passion for vlogging is not what it was six years ago. Definitely not what it was like day one when right. I was vlogging every day. Yeah, the right? passion yeah. isn't there. The volume yeah. isn't there. Like so, so basically, if it's like a retroactive award, almost where it's like, do you think this last year, 2023, was the best? Uh, was the best year worth of content that you put out? I think 2022 and 2023 were probably like I in my head. I want to think that I'm growing, right? One of my one of my uh, barometers is I want to look back on a vlog I did last year and think it's shit. Mm-hmm. Like if I can do that, then I've been successful in my head. Right. And when I look at, for instance, I released a vlog today. I think it's much heads and tails better than a vlog I released same time last year. Okay, Good. so in that way. I'm not putting out as much volume. I'm still putting out one a week, but it's because they take longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, but yeah, no fault to the the uh, the GPI word, words it, themselves. Like I think Eric is doing a bang up job with yeah, what he has to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just kind of like the corporateness of it. The, I'm gonna give my friends awards of it. The mm-hmm. the voting process, like it's just all. You know, I guess that's the point that I, I was getting at. It, it's not, I'm not trying to like, you know, judge what your content is now, right. but I'm just saying like, if you like year by year, I'm sure your level of pride of the work that you're putting out weans as yeah. opposed to grows. Well, right? what, what weans really is talking about Ace Queen suited, right? Like Ace Queen suited, King Tint, like that part gets very mm-hmm. tedious because yeah, um, yeah. there's only so many ways you can say, you know, the, <laughs> what you did on the flop right right um but being able to look for me being able to look back like and see i can literally see um oh here's the first time i went to the solve for y house here's where i met matt here's where i met Brent. like i have it on video like yeah. that's priceless mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, right. to me way more um substantial emotionally and like like holds more longevity than that time where I raised with King Tin and flop quads. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I mean? maybe like, that's yeah. kind of the angle I'm coming yeah. from is that like, it's so much better to recognize people when they're, uh, when they're actually innovating in the space yeah. as opposed to when they become established in the space. Yeah, I think the only person that got right was rampage. I think, yeah. I think they, they kind of nailed it, him right on his I rise. think they gave it to rampage the year they should have given it to rampage. Right. right. Yeah. Um, I in like like Andrew felt late, Brad yeah. felt late. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's almost like a retroactive award of like, oh, these guys have been consistent in doing it for so long. You're right. Rampage was literally like peak moment. 18 months into vlogging, right. just ripped off a bracelet, uh, found himself all of a sudden splashing in high stakes when he wasn't beating one two <laughs> like a year prior. Like right. yeah, nailed it. Yes, right. They, like they, I think they, and then I think they just give some awards to people. Um, and might I might fall in this category just because they haven't given them and they need to give them something. Right. Like I think them giving like an award to Marley. Didn't Marley win like twer- Twitter? Twitter of the year. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, so to be, to be clear, uh, I, again, this is no reflection of Eric and yeah. I don't like, there's no committee of sorts that's, you know, compiling together and saying like, okay, like, you know, so-and-so has been snubbed. Like it's, it's a list of like a hundred people with inside the industry. Mm-hmm. And they all vote and rank and stuff like that. But I agree with what you're saying in the sense that, uh, like, at the end of the day, Caitlin and Marley overlapped all three categories mm-hmm. that they were both nominated for. They're going to split the vote correct? in a lot of ways. And when you look at, like, the Twitter uh, personality of the year, Jamie won it twice uh, and Will won it last year. So... It's like if you see that Marley and Caitlyn are in three categories where <laughs> they both deserve 
to win at least two of them. I, I don't think either one, no offense to either of them, I love them both, but right. I don't think either of them deserve to be in Twitter personality of the year. They right. don't tweet. Right. Literally mm-hmm. both of them only tweet their shorts, which are great. Mm-hmm. And we're celebrating the shorts. So win the shorts category, you know, <laughs> win the content category. Mm-hmm. And it's very unfair. It's like, it's the two of them splitting votes up against a piece about Doral Brunson's memorial. <laughs> like, you're fucking dead. <laughs> right. yeah. you know? It's like, hey, how about we just give this one an award anyway because it's about Doyle and he just passed. Like, that's just an auto win kind of thing. Right, right. but why can't they tie? Why can't they both give him the awards for short, short form? <laughs> well, I mean, they could. Yeah. But my point is, is that what's happening is of the 100, we have to rank them at the end. Uh, one, two, three, and one gets five points, two gets three, whatever, right? So even if I put like Marley, Caitlin, Caitlin, Marley, and they go first, second, and split, say half of the voters do that, and then the other half are just all Doyle number one. Right. Doyle just wins. You know what I yeah. mean? Because like these two have like split their points amongst each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I do think that that's, that's, un- that's an unfortunate uh, byproduct of these things is there's no way to get it perfectly and right. And we're just assuming that's the way the voting works. Like we don't really know. I think there's No, we know. It's published on their on their site. Well, I mean, I know when I vote cuz I I get a, a vote just like I'm sure. Like, yeah, that's like, what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Isn't there another stage of voting after we vote? I was mistaken. I thought that that was the case. Yeah. I thought we chose the finalist. Yes. I thought us putting them in rank order yes. was what Publish the finalists, yeah. but that's not correct. It's the opposite. The finalists are published, uh, or they're known based off of like this system. I, I I read the rules the other day. It's like some sort of like average out system of anybody who gets like I think it was maybe it was just an example, but like eleven points total. Uh, anybody who breaks that barrier is a part of the final uh, compilation, mm-hmm. and then from there we put them in rank order, and the total points is the total points in the category is that who, makes a little bit more sense yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot more democratic yes. the problem is that I, I don't know who the the people are on that voting list yeah. but i would imagine there's a pretty eclectic mix of insiders to the community uh influencers in the community and then corporate yeah right and each one of those areas is going to drastically miss on certain elements of the vote. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I abstain from a lot of the things that uh, I just don't consume. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to vote for hand of the year. I, I don't. Same. Maybe that's a bad example, but like, I'm certainly not voting for tournament trophy of the right. year. Right. Just I, like I didn't vote for best tournament stop. Like, I, right. Yeah, I, I didn't go to any. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you, know? you didn't just see that lion and be like, that has to be the winner. That was a cool trophy. That was a cool trophy. I saw that and I was just like, okay, well, that's just going to win. Like, you know, I protested. I protested that category because I think it's so stupid. But it's the thing is, is like, and I, I know I'm beating a, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, and I'm just kind of the old man shaking his fist at clouds. But the thing is, if it was like, if if that same stupid category was uh, something for the players, yeah, where mm-hmm. they got, where they were the ones winning the accolades, I'd be all for it. Right. But because it's just another one for the card rooms, where it's just like, oh, this tour came up with the coolest trophy. Right. Like if if it was best card protector, I would literally be more into that mm-hmm. idea that would just be because funny. yeah just it, whatever it's a meme right. award who cares but at least it's shining a spotlight I, I, again i'm just like very hellbent that yeah. it feels way too stuffy 100 and that's kind of like i think we shared the yeah. that that sort of uh imagery of the awards where it's like i want to be proud to win this thing even though it's a at the end of the day we're all intelligent rational people we right. know that 
you know, these sort of accolades aren't that big of a deal, but it's nice to be acknowledged and validated within your space. You want that to come from your peers. You don't necessarily care about the figureheads at the top that are moving the big pieces. You know, I don't care that much unless they're cutting me a check about GG and stars and WPT, WSOP. Like I, I don't care about their validation and i also don't care to validate them right or i don't or i don't care enough i think you hit right i think you hit the nail on the head it's not that i don't care i mean it's great i won is but it's also great if you don't care enough to be there then right i don't Mm -hmm. care enough the the caring can't push me past the tipping point to now go put on a suit and go drive down there and deal and glad hand and like i don't care that much (laughs) meanwhile like imagine what you just outline there like it's literally getting dressed and driving 15 minutes there were like, hard burke there were it's dozens of win- <laughs> there were dozens of winners who like live <laughs> across the world but it's, it's just weird how my caring has just dropped off because like right. i used to do the same and fly yeah from st yeah, louis yeah. right do you know what i mean and now it's just like i can't be bothered was, mm-hmm. what was your first awards show um, was it here in Vegas or? Yeah, it was, oh, okay. it was here in Vegas. To, what, what was, when was COVID? 2020? Yeah. So this must have been like 2019. Then I came 2020 and then COVID happened. Okay. Yeah. The back, back when it was still in LA, I, I kind of, I hate to segregate it, but I do kind of feel like separating the Europe from the American awards mm-hmm. is just worth it because the Europeans can't show up. Mm-hmm. And it was really disheartening to see like nine awards in a row go without mm-hmm. the winner actually walking up to the podium. Because now what we have is we only get speeches from the corporations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The presenters are all representing some facet of the companies. So the only people talking on the mic now is Jeff Jeff Platt doing his bit, which, by the way, fan-fucking-tastic host. <laughs> yes. Honestly, like yeah. it, it's such a, a clear skill that I would have never supposed he had just because he's on camera ready. Yeah you know yeah um but he's he's fantastic like he's not a comedian by trade very funny the mm-hmm. bits are great all of that stuff's fantastic but then everybody else with mic time ends up being like you know a big figurehead mm-hmm. that's like all right you know yeah. what i mean it's your adam pliskas and your matt Savage's yeah it's and, like yeah. we love you guys but right. like you know 100 percent. write a fucking article yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that i tell people that's the only thing that i regret about not being there mm-hmm. is not being able to get up in that very public forum yeah. and thank people. Yeah, like yeah. thank people like, like for instance, thank you. Like if, it, if I hadn't met you, I wouldn't even live in Vegas. What? I wouldn't live here. Why? I, because through meeting you and uh, all the guys here in this room, in this Academy, like I met Lily in your chat. Yeah. Like she's the one that found the, the her mom had a condo that facilitated me moving here. Like, so without you, I wouldn't have met her. I wouldn't, I would still, I'd still be in St. Louis someplace. Like, so, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of people that have helped me along the way. There's a friend of mine, Stefan, who helps do um, a lot of proofreading and all my Patreon people that help do a lot of proofreading and Christian. And I mean, there's just a, a litany of people that have, that have helped me along the way that I wouldn't, I just, I would be totally different without these people. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, uh, that's definitely, uh, a good example of the butterfly effect, I 100%. suppose. Uh, and honestly, like that's ultimately what I think the award show is supposed to be. It's like, it's this big networking opportunity where, you know, it does kind of chase or change the, the course of people's careers or even just maybe their paths within the space. Like right. not everybody's going to do this professionally, but everybody does cut out some sort of like little niche path, uh, in some sort of capacity. And 
I mean, those are like the hero stories, right? It's like, uh, I want there to be incentive for all the big figureheads uh, in the player space to be there every year. Like we said, like presenters or, or whatever the case may be. It's a weird feeling to look around and be like, oh my God, the only people who like play poker at a really high level in this room are the Foxins. It's just like, right. uh, you know. And it's, and it's over, overwhelmingly tournament based. Yeah. Overwhelming. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that, that goes without saying. And I understand that because it is the Hendon Mob mm -hmm. Awards, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's I mean, a some lot of those cash game players want There's a know, whole other facet. Yeah. There, there's, like like, yeah. there's like 500, there's like 500 live cash streams a year. Mm -hmm. I feel like we could probably <laughs> pluck out a thing yeah. or two to right. highlight them right. outside of just stream of the year, yeah. which for what it's worth, I gave them a lot of shit, but you can kind of understand why Hustler has a lot of gripe mm -hmm. when it's like, oh great, another tournament thing won. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, like I'm the first to point out that nobody deserved it more than stars maybe triton right because like the, their good, production yeah. value is second to none that, that's that was my guess it was it was going to be triton yeah. yeah yeah i would imagine that they probably just got edged out because uh stars live is maybe a hundred shows a year where triton is quarterly for three weeks no they're just trying to screw my boy nick <laughs> nick Bertucci. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's it's obviously all a big conspiracy. Mm -hmm. I love Nick. I gotta say, man. Uh, you and Nick. I, I was telling you, you and Nick are the same person. No, we're fucking. <laughs> <laughs> he just called you. You, you so and Nick. Everyone's having you here, James. You can I know you have to leave, so. I can't believe he just called you a bumbling idiot. That's the second guest in a row that called you a bumbling idiot. I'm telling you, if there was a situation where you and Nick had to be stuck in like a foxhole. Or something. Oh, no, no, right? but only one you, would survive. You yeah, guys, it would be going the, in, one's coming out. No, yeah. it would be one of those movies. It would end like it would be the best love story. It, ever. it wouldn't. <laughs> there, there's a lot of reasons why it wouldn't. It's it's it may be more obvious to me than, than to most, I guess. But uh, like, there's one clear thing that should be obvious to anybody from the outside looking in, but probably isn't that apparent because of the language that's used on Twitter or whatever. But I have literally zero emotion attached to hcl to nick to mm. to whatever this rivalry has become i mean literally zero and i think that that's why whenever you see the twitter back and forths uh it, it can feel oftentimes like i'm punching down because it's just very like calculated calm and meant to be funny in some sort of capacity or a dunk in some sort of capacity right it's literally just uh, memeing on the internet mm -hmm. where Nick's responses are the reason to do it. His, his responses seem charged with emotion. They're and volatile. <laughs> they're just, and I'm really not on Twitter yeah. like that. And right. I, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. It's like, it just draws this like passionate response and they're very volatile and unhinged. And it's just like, you know, whenever you went through like 10 keyboards because he's just mashing yeah. them. So hard. It, <laughs> it, it looks like the embodiment. I don't know. And maybe I'm just aging myself here, but I remember like a Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom would walk up to the dog and like draw the line right and then smack the dog and the dog like, and Tom is just sitting there calm right that's what it looks like is happening right and I guess I guess what I'm getting at is the dog and Tom are not the same in any capacity uh, and it's like yeah if you threw us both into a foxhole there's it's just clearly going to be a fight to the death because we both are very very much I don't want to say dug in necessarily, but we're very confident in our own sides. You guys love each other. No, we don't. 
You love no, each other. no. The thing is, that I, I I feel nothing, and he hates me. <laughs> that's that's like the big. Uh, it isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. I'm gonna bring you guys together. I look look. Here, here's the other thing. Like uh, when I say that I have no emotion in this, I, I truly don't. The only thing that keeps us at odds with one another is one. It's become a bit to me, and that's too good to let go of. And two, uh, I I really struggle with the way that things got spun in such a way where it looked as though I was blaming Jack four on them in some sort of capacity. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's become this like personal thing where he felt personally attacked mm. or never was that the case. It was, it, and we can actually discuss this because you and I have a lot of experience in this case, but it was literally just a rehash of Postle, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You were the first one to show me footage <laughs> of the the control room at Stones, <laughs> right? And it was a fucking mess. Yeah, and we learned a lot from that, uh, especially those of us who were fighting on the front lines, really trying to demonstrate how easy it would have been for this super user to come yeah. to be. So at no point was it a projection of this is definitely what happened at Hustler. Uh, this is this is all their fault. They should take the blame. It was more so. What the fuck are you guys doing running a 200-400 game without getting your shit in order? Like, take a week off, man. Reorganize your fucking back room. Make sure that there's no information leaks. Make sure everything is bulletproof. And I I think, like, you know, it's been dragged over and over again and spun around in a million different cycles. But, like, now that we're to the point where we're a year and a half removed from this or whatever... People forget that the, the, the security report came out and did show a lot of gross negligence. Mm-hmm. It did show a lot of things that needed to be corrected in order to meet some low level of standards of confidence. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're always going to butt heads because we're never going to agree on Hustler's culpability uh, throughout the whole thing and, and, and like the lack of responsibility, in my opinion, that was taken by Vertucci. So it is what it is, man. It's going to be a fucking meme from now till the end of time. I'm okay with it, but he's not. Yeah, I, I'll just say this. Like, I don't give a, I don't, like, I don't care whatever you just said. You guys love each other. No. <laughs> and you will love each other. Absolutely not. But it is funny looking back on the whole Postle thing, like, and how naive, like, we all kind of were mm-hmm. about security. And like, I mean, just that their peak room was just like wide open to the public. Mm-hmm. Like, we took just, so much for granted. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it's so crazy. And it wasn't that long ago. Right. Well, yeah. we, you know, I, I, at least speaking from my vantage point, I, I think we all just assumed that because PokerGo was setting a specific standard yeah. that was regulated heavily by Nevada Gaming, and we all knew this, right? Like, same thing in AC. Like, I had done uh, stints in AC where, uh, you know, I saw commentators get stuck behind a locked door for the entire fucking thing. And if they left the pee, they were done. They were out of the booth. Oh, really? But yeah, that was it. Like, that's the gaming laws there. You just you know, you, there's no breaching of security. And it was kind of the same oversight here. And I think we assumed when these California streams popped up, uh, granted live at the bike had been longstanding mm-hmm. at that point, but I think we just assumed that they were this well-oiled machine, especially live at the bike, which had been longstanding. And- See, I didn't assume any of that. But then again, this was the first time I had, Stones was the first stream I'd ever right. played on. So right. I didn't. It, it was lost. On I it. totally yeah. took for granted yeah. that like, oh, well, live at the bike's been around for 15 years. Of course, they've hashed out all the security yeah. things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like in my head, it was just like, 
well, obviously, like they're operating at least on the same standards yeah. as Nevada Gaming and and all this other stuff. And then the whole puzzle thing happened. It was like, yeah, obviously, <laughs> fucking obviously, like yeah. this was a makeshift stream that they yeah. popped up overnight. Yeah. And you know, for those of you guys who don't know what I'm referring to, uh, you actually had footage in one of your vlogs. Yeah. Of you just after hours. Yeah. Nobody around. No. Walking into the <laughs> control room where all of their equipment was. Yeah. Picking up your book bag that you had left in there, <laughs> saying peace out and walking right out. Like, could have put a Trojan on any of the Easily. computers if you wanted. Could have Easily. hacked anything that you wanted to do. At yeah. the time was when you right made there. this, when you, when you were making this, were you just, was that just you just filming or were you like, hey, look, I can walk in here? No, like, it, was it was just like, there was, just, there was no lockers or right. anything. So I had my, right. my bag and yeah. I asked Justin, I said, where should I put it? He said, I'll just put it in here. Yeah, just set and it right there. And then after stream, I played for a couple more hours and it was time to go. Yeah. And so I just walked in there and got it. Oh, man. Like, it was it's it's so wild now right. looking back on it. Right. Yeah. And and you know, it was the same thing there where the commentary booth was only separated from the peak room by a door. Mm-hmm. Um but at least, you know, you didn't have to pass through that door to to get into the commentary booth. It was booth. door, remember it was just a half wall. It wasn't right. even a whole wall. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 So I mean technically you could just peek <laughs> over. Yeah. And you know, Hustler was kind of set up the same initially. Mm-hmm. Where it was like people people love to downplay things and make it seem as though like nothing's a big deal. But when bad shit happens, you have to point the finger at the things that could potentially be a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just like this bet that we're trying to flesh out between uh Landon and Dnegs. The whole reason we don't have simple J-Bags. terms or JBEX rather. The the whole reason we don't have simple terms laid out yet is because it's gambling. And at the end of the fucking day, you always have to protect your downside risk versus somebody being able to game the system. Mm. Right. Right. And it's the same thing in security. <clears throat> Anytime that there's an opportunity to potentially game a system, which by all accounts, everything that we saw, Apostle found that way. <clears throat> you know, the stream house has to be fucking responsible. Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody cheats on a WPT stream. Share hands is going to be fucking up for, for, for questioning. You know, and well, like, people kind of have their their feelers out for it now. Like people are looking for it everywhere. Yeah. Back then, people mm-hmm. weren't really looking like that. No. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was Veronica was like the only, and it took almost a year's yeah. time of compiling data. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. What What do you think about him now coming back, resurfacing, wanting to go public and I tell think his he side? has some vendetta against Veronica specifically, where well, he's like targeting her. I spoke to her a little bit about this, yeah. and I think that to me it's abundantly clear. And uh, you know, bringing back up the Nick thing, I think that this is what we've devolved into, where uh, the two sides get personalized, mm-hmm. right? So there's the Postle side, and it's represented by Postle. And then there is the he cheated side. And somehow it's been personified by Veronica. <laughs> right? And I think same thing with like Jack 4 HCL. It's no longer like Garrett versus Robbie type of thing. Right. It's it's Vertucci versus the guy who's calling for the stream house's head for allowing this to happen, which is me. Right. And that's not even the the relative conversation, right? Same thing with the Apostle thing. It's like I think he's twisted into his head to believe that if he can dismiss Veronica as a credible source then suddenly the whole community just believes he no longer cheated. It's, he's twisted. Right, because like it's too late. Yeah. You can't put the genie mm-hmm. back in the bottle. We all saw what we saw. Right. She just was the whistleblower. Right. She just turned our attention to it, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, discredit her. I mean, she could come out and be a Looney Tune tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to fucking change the fact that we just witnessed like, you know, hundreds of hours of footage where this guy didn't make an incorrect river decision. Yeah. I haven't gone a single day without making an incorrect river decision. Like, 
teach me a wise Yoda. But man, he was, they held him up there as like the Jesus of poker, man. It was, it was it just wild. Just, I mean, they had special buttons they could push and like, it was crazy. <laughs> like, and looking back on it, I'm just like, what were we thinking? Like, how did right. we not see this a mile away? Yeah. And I remember being really annoyed because uh, I only, I had only gone there once and it was for that 2550 stream. And at the time, that was really big stakes for a stream. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were like trying to do a lot of social media stuff. I'm like trying to film at the table and I'm just getting like grilled by the security there. Of, like no phones, no phones, no phones. And I'm asking Veronica, I'm like, what the fuck's going on? She's like, they literally just implemented this for today. Like, like they just started to uh, apply this rule. And then I come to find out it was because so many people were complaining. They thought uh, Apostle was cheating. Oh, wow. Also, I believe, and I, I hate to even say things on air because my memory is fuzzy. It's been four or five years, but I'm almost positive we found a, a, a shot from that stream where Apostle like got up from the table and was walking away and you can see his phone and it has like the blue screen. Blue screen. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember I went back through all my old footage looking for shots where I could see Apostle's screen, but I didn't find any. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it was know. definitely a blue screen. It was like he was actually holding it on the table, like underneath right. the table right there. And right. So they're like, weren't supposed to be phone. phones. Somehow he managed to have one. The rest of us couldn't. All this other stuff. And then they tried blaming it on live at the bike because uh, I can't recall what happened, but like there was some. Oh, it was the ludicrous, uh, the ludicrous Feldman thing mm -hmm. um, that had like started to to surface publicly, and somehow the counter to that was eliminating phones at the table which i've said this a million times uh and i'm not saying that like you should have phones at the table like whatever i understand especially the less security a stream possesses the more you should get rid of outside devices mm -hmm. but cheating on a phone is like the least sophisticated way that you could ever go about right. doing this like you would have to it's, it's literally the same as people who cheat with gto wizard online as rta right mm -hmm. like you're so fucking lazy <laughs> you are so lazy that if you can get away with this you fucking deserve it because we are the assholes yeah. here you know what i mean like uh but i i get it like phones are only going to get more powerful and you may as well just nip it in the bud dude and, i saw an article yesterday uh where this guy at mit has developed this he has developed i don't know what i don't know what you'd call it an apparatus or something okay but he just wears it and whatever he thinks it will search the internet for it and then tell him the answer in his ear what that's amazing i was like what is this like and they were like, but he's physically it, wearing something he's physically okay, wearing so like you're not but, gonna sneak it by but i mean it's version one yeah, you know yeah what of i mean course, like of course, yeah. of course. so like they ask him some questions or something like some super difficult math problem and he looks at it and he thinks and then it just spits out the answer Jesus. it's wild like so along those lines, uh, I don't know if people know this, but your background is actually computer science, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. How did that translate into you then finding a passion in poker, and have you <laughs> since left that career field? Uh, the second question is easier. No, I haven't left yet. I'm still working a typical nine to five for Bayer. What does that entail? Programming. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Writing, I mean, a lot of analytical stuff, uh, a lot of programming I'm doing right now. Do you ever talk to Johnny about this stuff? Vibes? Yeah. He no. Was, I, I'm pretty sure he... He started. He, yeah, he was like a decade in or so? I don't even know if he was that long in, but yeah, oh, he, okay. yeah he started. Uh, and uh, how that led to poker, it really didn't. Like, I mean, the two, I've always kept the two totally separate to the point where 
Um, you could probably watch my vlogs for a while and not even realize I'm not a quote unquote professional. But just like the way your brain works, isn't there a massive overlap for you? Yeah, but I mean, my brain is very powerful. <laughs> well, that's to um, be expected. No, there's, there's some overlap as far as when it comes to like combinatorics in, and things like that, um, that I've, I guess I've, I've been professionally trained in. But when it comes to the vlogging, no, there's no overlap. And when it comes to like playing games of chance or poker, I was 100% against it. Yeah. Like I was the most non-gambling same, person same. you've ever mm-hmm. met. Even, even after I started playing poker, I was so not gambling. I remember uh, when I would play in St. Louis, you know, you got your rewards card and every once in a while they would send you like some voucher, come play for $25 slot play or mm-hmm. blackjack or something. I would put that $25 on roulette and be nervous as hell never been so nervous in my life like i would literally just go as a free 25 dollars. i put it on black and just be sitting there sweating like i that's wild (laughs) like i'm just not a gambler in that way don't know how to play craps don't i can play pie gal uh, I'm the same. I, yeah. I don't know how to play Pygo either. Yeah. Uh, I'm very much the same, and I find it to be interesting because uh, I hated programming. With did you really? I ha- uh, I'm I'm not I'm not. Uh, You're logical. It's all logic. That part I enjoy. Yeah. I enjoy creating. Um, uh, I enjoy creating like pseudocode and yeah. and algorithms. Did you like logic puzzles when you were little? Love them. Love them. So did I. Same. You, uh, I still do to this day. Yeah. But I loathe the detail orientedness of of actual programming. Yeah. I I can't. I'm not that granular. Yeah. It's the same reason why like, uh, like I excel at math in a theoretical sense, mm-hmm. but in a practical sense, I was very poor. Mm. Uh, I'm just not very good at executing on, on like all of the minutia mm-hmm. that comes with solving problems in, in the mathematical space. Like I'm just too, I'm just too sloppy. Yeah. I'll just misplace some syntax here or there. And then the whole problem goes to shit. And you're just staring at it for hours. Same thing with like compiling code. Yeah. You just get a thousand errors and you realize like it's a few punctuation mistakes. <laughs> yeah. And it's just Give like, one. fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. So my math background when it comes to poker doesn't help very much. Especially, assess, it really should No, because I'm not, I've always been good at like higher level math and I've never been good at arithmetic. So that's there's, the point. There's a lot of arithmetic in poker. No, there oh, just you, there's no, there's like when we were talking about, Oh, I miscalculated pot size. Yeah. When it comes to things like, all right, 30 plus 30 plus 30 plus 120 plus 365 plus 365. Like that's hard for me. Okay. But like you can get a ballpark. I can get a ballpark. That's fine. And then I overbet. <laughs> right so it's but like the overbet's not the problem it's the sizing choice period right but it's just like i really have to think okay 30 plus 30 is 90 plus 120 210 plus 365 like that's really really like that's not the that's the, not the math that helps you though the math that helps you is exactly what you're talking about it's that high level logic right it's being able to think about range morphology or for lack or you know yeah, i know what you're saying uh, uh, well i know what i'm saying too yeah, but for yeah, the audience yeah. like, uh it, it's it's a way to think about how your range is compartmentalized right and how those hand classes shift based off of board distribution turn river distribution whatever mm-hmm. right it, it's being able to logically estimate where the lines of equity lie that are too good to bet uh, because if you get raised, you're fucked. But right? it's funny when I think about that in my head, I think about it graphically. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I literally see a graph in my head and then I see like lines. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, when it comes to arithmetic and stuff, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm lost. I, I truly don't think the arithmetic of poker is all that important. Like even calculating pot odds, the pot odds model is obviously what drives the game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the biggest part of what derives EV. Right. But actually knowing your pot odds in any given instance is relatively meaningless because you don't know the actual equity of your hand. Yeah, it's got to be meaningless it, for me because I can't do it. The arithmetic part, it, you can just... It, you just get better with practice, yes, though, right? You yeah. just, you know, you just practice. Yeah, and you, you just, just pay you tuition just, because yeah. you get it wrong so many times. <laughs> yeah. But like even at the end of the day, it just doesn't really matter because if you're if your bet sizes are let's say that you have a twenty percent error rate plus or minus, mm -hmm. right? So you're either too high, too low by twenty percent mark, it, it's negligible in the EV outputs. Right. So you're not giving up really much if any money mm -hmm. here or there. If you choose B sixty nine in a spot where it's supposed to be B fifty, uh, you know, if you're betting like two-thirds pot and where it's supposed to be half it doesn't really matter right well, as, long as, as long as you're doing it with the mm -hmm. proper candidates right and you're assuming then that you know what b50 and b60 is even though you can't add the pot well no what i'm assuming <laughs> is that like maybe you're aiming for half pot but you landed on two-thirds <laughs> right. and i'm just right. saying it We're doesn't matter you're gonna, you're gonna get within 20 percent of yeah, what the yeah, pot it's, actually it's, I'm is guesstimating. Yeah. right and playing online right. isn't helping at all because right. it's like all if, done for you if yeah. there's a thousand uh, in the pot, and you only think there's 300 in there, then there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noted. This is true. Yeah. If you're, if you're off by like many magnitudes, then you're going to run into issues. Three, right. It's like, okay. Then you're going to run into real, yeah. real issues. But like in a very general sense, the, the actual arithmetic doesn't matter that much. But I think where people struggle and where people who are capable of thinking at a higher level, mathematical level, or uh, from a logic sense is. You know, a lot of what the solver is doing is breaking the game down into logic tables, mm -hmm. right? And uh, that, to me, is like the superpower of simplification, where as a human, I can't do what the solver does. I can't compute the EV of every single candidate that I possess in a particular spot. But what I am very decent at is being able to bucket those candidates around uh, similarities or mm -hmm. likenesses and have a fair rough estimation with that estimation then i can you know again within some margin of error be able to understand the incentives behind doing one action versus the other and once you're able to distill that down now you just pull out the greater principles right it's like if you can if you can understand how the hierarchy of your range breaks down now it's all about those other big principles like okay how does polarization work in this particular instance? Where's the line for the top and where does the mm -hmm. bottom begin, right? How does um, denial work if I want to be betting a larger linear portion of my range, but I'm doing it for the sake of thin value slash denying equity to my opponent, right? When you're able to pull those principles out, the game just slows down yeah. so much, right? Because now you understand the difference between a big bet and a small bet. You understand the difference between... Uh, an equity shifting card that levels the playing field versus one that allows you to polarize. And those principles are actually going to be the driving force behind what make your decision, not what's the math of my stack to pot ratio. You right. know, SPR matters a fuck ton mechanically, yeah. but it doesn't really matter all that much principally. You know what I that mean? That makes sense. Yeah. And I think that that's like something people really get hung up on. Yeah. They see big bet, they get scared rather than like actually going through the logic of like okay well big bet for this particular range should mean hands x and hands y right how does my particular hand or range play against that people just give up right you know it's too high level yeah good times yeah well, that's a probably a good time to <laughs> segue time. into the in the muck segment the real to you, reason you're here brought to you by gto wizard
All right, Jamin, you are in the muck. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Am so I supposed to be explaining right now? Well, uh, he's right going to put it up on the oh, screen, okay. but right. you can you can explain it uh, out loud just for our audio listeners okay. so they know what uh, what the hand is. Audio listeners. Okay, we have me here in the cutoff with Queen Jack suited. Spades. Oh, yeah, spades. Uh, Very important. Yeah, especially for Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. <laughs> Uh, uh, I open uh, to $30 and get called by the big blind, who I can, I can say um, is pretty snug, pretty snug, a pretty snug player. Uh, they check and I continue for $35, a little bit more than half pot. A little, no, little north of half right. on Jack nine, four, nine, four of spades, nine, four. Of, oh yes. I, I guess I didn't say the board. Jack That's nine, four, nine, four of spades. And uh, they call. Turn queen of diamonds, putting two diamonds and two spades on the board, and they check. And I continue for 175, a little bit over pot. Big bet. Mm -hmm. And they call. Turn king of spades. River, yeah. yeah. A river king of spades, completing a front door flush draw, giving me the second nut flush. Pretty good card for you. And they lead for $240. Are you considering anything other than call here? I am considering, I'm heavily considering folding, actually. With the second nuts? With the second nuts versus this player. I heavily considered folding. Like, there's just no 10 of spades in range? No. When does it fold? When does it, meaning it being the machine... It being the big blind, when, <laughs> when would 10 of spades ever fold? 10 of spades wouldn't even be in the pot. Uh, there's, there's ten eight of spades the folding She's depending in the big blind, right? Pre no. She oh. folds ten eight of spades pre. Do you see the hand she ends up having? Yeah, that's <laughs> obviously a pure three bet. Yes. But like that's not I don't think that's okay, indicative it, of okay. what call. Let's just say she does call with ten eight of spades. She winds up with ten eight of spades here. I don't think she's leading. Really? No. But you capture so much EV from a naked ten. You would also just check raise turn. Uh not necessarily. She still loses the king ten. I mean, if she's as tight as he implies, yeah. he says she doesn't Super call 10 eight of spades pre. I mean, Super she's, tight. she's probably pretty tight. Uh, okay. And that's probably, that's probably a little bit unfair. She probably does call 10, eight spades, yeah. uh, uh, from the big blind mm -hmm. with that action. So she um, ended up having the nuts, right? She ended up having ace, ten, ace, 10 of spades. Ace, 10 of spades. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk mm -hmm. about, uh, the, the bigger picture questions here of, of what may <laughs> put you in the muck. Uh, river aside, let's, yeah. let's, let's start talking flop and turn, right? Okay. So on flop, you flop top pair of uh, third nut flush draw. Obviously, pretty good fucking hand. Yes. Uh, great board for the imposition player, especially your range is going to be... I mean, granted, I gave her a theoretical range, but maybe she's only defending 20%, which seems wild, yeah. but maybe. Um, so let's assume that she's maybe a little bit tighter than average here. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it really changes your strategy much. You're probably going to have a C-bet here, whatever. Can't really fuck this up. You have a lot of equity. Mm -hmm. Face a call. Now, turn gives you top two, yes. but complete to straight. So my question then becomes, uh, what are you thinking whenever you're choosing your bets here, both from a range perspective and then from this hand perspective? Okay, so I can tell you in real time, I was most likely thinking, wow, I have two pair. Wow, and I have the second nut flush draw. My hand is really, really good versus this player who is super tight, mm -hmm. who... Maybe just has a queen. Maybe just has a jack. Maybe I want to get a. I want to start 
piling money in because I was surprised she even caught the plot. But if they're as tight as you say they are, yeah. like what what are you getting value from with a with a one hundred twenty five percent pot bet on the turn when the straight draw comes in? Like like if they that's, just have a jack really, or yeah, folding right, maybe they, they even have like, well I don't know how many queens they have. I guess yeah, they and have, she can't have ace queen. Um, she can't. She can't. Queen of spades. She can't have ace queen of spades. No, you have the, you have the yeah, queen of spades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm so I'm blocking yeah, yeah. that. But right. at, in the moment, I don't mm. even know if I thought that. I just thought. Yeah. That this person is still around on the turn. I mean, ten x of spades, is, obviously. Any any kind of ten x. And is tight and is trappy and might even have aces, might oh have kings. God. Do you know what I mean? Like, sounds like the jewel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the jewel. That's funny. But yeah, yeah, no, but like I, so like I get what you're saying because yeah. like I do play, um, you know, in in some environments, right? Some smaller state games at, that um, there are certain players who play like so tight that you can't even explain it yeah. right right it's just like it is like it's so so ridiculously tight that it should never happen but it does so yeah. I, I i get where you're coming from right. where like this person's so tight that's why i was thinking about folding that's why i was thinking about like they could just have aces here and i could get massive right. value value okay gotcha um okay so i think that this is where you end up in the muck mm -hmm. um so when we were discussing earlier about uh one of the biggest weapons that a, a good player can have is just understanding the fluidity of ranges and how they tend to narrow street by street. When you turn top two here with a flush draw, uh, you, yes, have a hand that is worth a lot of pot share, mm -hmm. but you also have a hand that's blocking a ton of the hands that will pay, right? Mm -hmm. If you had queen jack of hearts, I like your sizing way better. Yeah. Because you just open her up to having so many combo draws, right? But particularly when the queen and the jack are diamonds in this instance, and you now hold the queen and the jack of spades, the amount of combo draws that exist that aren't already a straight are very few and far between. So, you know, she'll have ace, 10 of spades, ace, 10 of diamonds, uh, possibly a hand like nine, 10 of diamonds. I, I, I shouldn't say possibly, probably a hand like nine, 10 of diamonds, king, nine of diamonds. Mm -hmm. So mostly it's going to fall into the diamond realm mm -hmm. that's like pair plus. But like, if she's as tight as you claim, she might fold king nine of diamonds. Yeah, ace ten of diamonds, which yeah. is a tragedy. This is true. Right. It's yeah. a tragedy if yeah. king nine of diamonds finds a fold, even though it has decent. Like, you mean on the turn? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though it's a it's it's a mathematical mistake, it's not as large of one as we would think it would be. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's a range error because if she starts folding king nine <laughs> of diamonds, now she doesn't have coverage on certain rivers. Right, like when a ten rolls off, she just doesn't have enough straights any longer, mm -hmm. and that becomes problematic. But from a, a, a standpoint of like how much pot share King Nine of Diamonds is making, it's not as much as I think people would expect it to be, especially when you miss size. And you know, I haven't looked at this yet, but I'm pretty confident turn is a miss size. Mm -hmm. um, generally, when straights fall, especially when two straights fall, we're not going to be able to size up over pot, uh, so we're going to be somewhere capped around like two-thirds pot to pot, somewhere in that range. Uh, and particularly when we have so much of the board locked down, we're going to want to lean on the, 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 the middling size a lot more. Mm -hmm. If even you had a top set of queens, way different than mm -hmm. queen jack of spades. Yeah, right? even ace, maybe even ace ten of diamonds isn't even in range if she's as tight as she is. You might just fold her and flop. Possibly. I mean, anything's possible. It's, it's really difficult. I know you see that as like, how could they ever fold well, that the hand? Thing but is, it's just like, they look at it as like, I just missed this flop. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing is, 100%, it's, yeah. it's a lot easier to make presumptions about somebody who's too loose than it is about somebody who's too tight. Right. Because you're just going to be insanely flawed 
Basically, anybody that you deem to be too tight, you have no idea how they're too tight. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. You just find mm -hmm. that they fold a lot. Yeah. And you don't know to what degree their threshold is. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know where their understanding starts and stops. Mm -hmm. um, all we can assume is that the obvious continues are obvious and they will yeah. choose you, those. You only know things that like invalidate what you're thinking. Like, so like if you do, if you do see a hand like that, where she does show up, like on maybe you see a hand on the river and you're like, wow, they called my flop bet with, with just back doors. Like, right. Oh, they're, they're not as tight as I thought they were. Right. right. You'll get that validation, but you can't get the other side because they just fold it. You never see exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, precisely. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's really, I, I think that's really important to, to understand, especially whenever we're trying to carve out value bets here. Mm -hmm. um, like, let me, let me phrase the question a little bit differently. What would you choose to bluff with on this particular turn card? And what would you be targeting? What would I choose to bluff with on this card? Uh, hands that really had no showdown value were probably going nowhere. I'd probably... Or even hands with a little bit, like seven, eight of spades. Um, I'd be targeting, you know, just trying to get some over cards that had equity to fold. Mm. Um, pocket sixes, um, same. Just kind of nothing hands. Uh, my, big, my bigger hands, like let's say I had like ace, king of spades here. I wouldn't be bluffing with that. Right. Um, I wouldn't be bluffing with... Um, king queen of spades. I wouldn't bluff. I mean, I guess that's not a bluff. No. Um, it's not a good bet. No, it's not uh, a good bet. I, I, I could I, be wrong. No. I, again, I haven't looked yet, but no. I, I suppose that that's probably not a good bet Correct. against somebody you I, deem I, to be too tight. Right. Um. So yeah, I'd probably just be bluffing with a lot of nothings. Yeah. So this this becomes the problem because if she's too tight, as you suspect, mm -hmm. then there are no folds. So when you choose your nothings, you have no board pair. Right, but versus this player, I probably wouldn't be bluffing. Well, again, so that becomes another, another big problem. Issue, right, 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 right. Because right. now you're value banging way too thin. Right. Yeah. You don't block any straight. So if we were to look at this theoretically, like what hands you would choose to bluff on the turn, generally speaking, you would want like set block and straight block. So a hand like nine, ten of diamonds might be a particularly mm -hmm. good one. But against somebody who's too tight, you're basically targeting the nine. And now nine ten of diamonds becomes very bad, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe it's okay because mm -hmm. well, no, it's not because she she probably just isn't peeling with a hand like nine ten of clubs. Uh, Are you saying you're bluffing with nine ten of diamonds? I mean, I think it would be a good one to choose. It's better than like jack ten of spades. Okay, and, and it's a very can, high equity really bluff. As a bluff, it's, it's a high equity bluff because your hand your hand itself is probably losing. But you have you have a lot of equity. Okay, maybe you understand my question though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Well, the easy answer is like, what happens if you get jammed on? Like I that, mean, that's well, a hand you can fold. Nine eight of diamonds would be a good example. Like okay. these are hands that you can fold. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I mean, like you know, obviously, combo draws are going to be pretty natural bets, whether they're too tight or not. Uh, it just becomes a matter of like, what hands can you run it with? Like, mm -hmm. can you have small pairs with a spade? Can you have like twos with a spade diamond combo and run <laughs> it here? And against somebody who's too tight, probably not. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think you need to be mindful of, not, not you, but yeah. I, I think the viewers and everybody needs to be mindful of, uh, what are you hoping to accomplish with this bet outside of value or bluff? Yeah. It's more so like what portions of your, of their range do you want to funnel them to, right? Cause whenever you bet and you're met through a call, a very specific portion of their range is choosing this action, mm -hmm. right? And then there's this other portion of range 
that can flip flip the turntables or flip the script on you and 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 put in a raise. So how do I deal with somebody who's too tight that then potentially raises with only king ten or ten mm-hmm. eight, right? And that becomes a bit of a problem. Let's uh let's take a look and see what the wizard has for us here. Um, all right. So as we can see, uh, this is a pure check from the big blind. No surprise. Uh, the larger size is um the larger size is required here basically because of how the ranges collide against one another cutoff is going to just be significantly tighter than the big blind and this is uh i used our solve for y ranges this is 200 big blinds uh no rake um cash environment so basically a little bit looser than what you would see in uh maybe an online environment but i think pretty equivalent to uh what you would see live so you see that Jamin's size wasn't too bad. I think he chose like 55% pot. 67 is theoretically correct. Not going to face a lot of raising here versus this size because big blinds are just such a massive disadvantage on this particular texture. So a raise does come through about 8% of the time. You can see that strategy is largely built around jack 9, which is going to require some protection and wants to get a lot of value. And then you can see obviously bottom set is just very happy to go off. So the raise size, since it's very tight, and largely constructed by two pair type of hands and sets is going to be large. Raise size is going to be 95% pot. I believe that's going to be 3E. Uh, so you're just going to see a pot pot follow through then for the big blind when they do choose to raise. 3E for the viewers at home is three equal sizes or geometric sizing of uh, 100% pot or 95% pot in this instance. So uh, she does continue through a call. Turn queen of diamonds again. No leading, not uh, an equity shifting card in that regard. I gave us three sizes because, as I mentioned, you kind of miss size here on the turn. You can see that it just pretty much all condenses around two-thirds pot again. And this is a function of the straight falling as well as the backdoor uh, flush draw coming through, it, it um, opening up more equity. You can see, I, I'm guessing, but if we change this to the queen of clubs instead, I think we're going to be capped at pot now instead of two-thirds pot just simply due to the uh, a little bit more polarizing aspect of the turn queen. Nope, I'm wrong. Eh. It's always good to be wrong, kids. Uh, no, it actually goes the opposite direction. If two flush draws aren't present, then we start to uh, lean a lot heavier on the 40% sizing. Um, and I, I suppose this is just due to the fact that uh, her range will just generally weaken. So much of her range was jack X mm-hmm. that just generally weakens so on the queen. You don't need to bet as big. Right, and you get more you get more money from the from the flush draws. You've charged the flush draws her back doors. Yeah, well, more specifically, that- it's uh, you are targeting now jack x and and spade draws. Okay, right. So yeah. uh, there are fewer combo draws, et cetera, et cetera, and you're just basically trying to get multiple streets out of jack x while being able to bet linearly yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we start to go the two third sizing, we're a little bit less linear, as you'll see here. Uh, so you can see we do do a fair amount of checking back, including Jack-9 suited pure. So that kind of demonstrates to you how much uh, more we're trending in the polar direction, where the top of our range is largely going to be like sets, uh, top two pairs. And then, you know, I said like King-Queen of Spades wouldn't be a good bet. In theory, obviously, it's a great bet. But in practice, for somebody who's potentially too tight, you don't really want to throw this out there and mm-hmm. get raised mm-hmm. because you're just basically drawing naked to a flush draw mm-hmm. at that point. Now, when an overbet is available on the turn mat, mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't exist, right? It just looked like it was less than 1%. Uh, it just doesn't exist. But if I force it, which I'm about to do now, I imagine it's going to be like a third of our range instead of... You made yeah. this as big, better check, one size, right? Correct. 
so yeah, you can see it comes through at 37%, where before we were betting about 60% of our range. And that's a function of the straight showing up on, on the turn, is that right? It's a function of the straight showing up. It's also a function of uh, losing EV to the portion of her range that would otherwise pay. So whenever we start to size up like this... Uh, so, you so you're talking about like when you were blocking the board earlier, right? Like yeah. when we have spades, when we have top two, like right. she just doesn't have much. Uh, well, it's not that she doesn't have much. It's that facing this size, everything that was weakened by the turn queen now just folds. So you can see like what happens to her range whenever we bet this size. Look at the hands that become indifferent. Uh, so a hand like jack eight suited, if it's not spades, pure folds. Um, a hand like king nine, pure folds, unless it has the spade. This is versus overbet. Yeah, this is versus overbet. So uh, I'm trying to think like, or trying to see like other areas that become pretty bad for us uh, with a level of indifference. So like all of her jack eights and below just start pure folding. That seems like, you know, not a great event for us. Same thing with uh, the suited variety. If it's not spades, it's just pure folds. Um, Whenever we look at hands that possess a 10, so like uh, a naked draw, so a hand like 10-4 suited, for example, pure fold if it's not diamonds, right? Like we want to make these hands indifferent. We don't want to give them easy decisions. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the large size just for the most part gives them easy decisions, especially when we're fucked, which happens mm -hmm. when we're up against like King-10. So King-10 is like a near pure raise, right? And that becomes really problematic for us as well. Um whenever we go back and we see like the way that we're choosing to bet you can see that we're very very equity dense and you were right jamin in the sense of where you're pulling your bluffs from it's going to be a lot of your absolute nothing right so seven six suited is going to be a hand that bets at a really high frequency specifically diamonds right like those backdoor diamonds are going to be really nice because she should have fewer of them facing the large size on the flop so you have cleaner outs in spite of the fact that you just have seven high. And then what I suggested was going to be where we're pulling bluffs from, which are small pairs uh, in all varieties. I thought it would be a little bit more sensitive to having like the, the spade diamond combo, yeah. but it doesn't matter because there really aren't any hands that peel flop that have these small pairs within the flush draw variety, right? So it's just going for it with fours and below uh, or not fours, well, sorry, fours is, fours a, is set, a set, yeah. but threes and below. Right, And then you can see fives, it is very specific to the five of spades, five of diamonds. And I imagine that's a byproduct of hands like five, four of diamonds existing in her range, hands like six, five of spades existing in her range. You're just able to like take those away uh, and now represent them whenever certain runouts uh, occur. So this is definitely a non-size. Block, block set. Right. Block set of fours. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a non-size on the turn. Um, let me see if I can get an EV breakdown when we choose this size as opposed to others. Man, I got to get better at this. Okay, here we go. So, uh, yeah, you can see that when the, the EV of our strategy now is, uh, well, I guess this isn't of our strategy. That's not very fair. Uh, does it have the overall EV of our strategy here? This is where we need Landon. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, I think you're losing EV for this size. Obviously, you're losing yeah, EV. 100%. Or else I would have chosen it. Uh, so her call, you can see ace, 10 of spades, pure call, maybe a smidge of raising, no big deal. The EV, I'm sorry, the EV strategy is top left. Top left, where? Uh, Here? Yep. Yeah. Like well, that? Right, but it's, it's only per, can, uh, per candidate, right? Oh. Uh, oh, wait. Yeah, but it's by candidate. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. So I, I wanted to see what the overall is. to the was, right. Go to the right, down. Yep. yep. Right there, down, those letters right there, summary. Oh. There we go. 
Uh, again, per no, candidate. Uh, we tried. So River King of Spades, let's see how much her range is potentially narrowed here to where you're justified in wanting. So she actually does get to play a lot of leads. Um, she even gets to play a little bit of jam, which is interesting to me. Uh, you can see that her jams are basically coming from, I think it's just like rivered flushes, I would assume. So yeah, jack high flush, uh, six high, six high diamonds actually goes for, or not six high, six four of diamonds. Uh, goes for the bluff. A lot of these hands, I assume, probably aren't in there based off of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the, the queen high-low spade draws and stuff like that. She gets to, like, open rip uh, ace-eight of spades sometimes. Uh, when she doesn't rip, she gets to bet quarter pot. What did she actually bet in real time? Like 40%? Yeah, half maybe. Yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, even adjusting for that, let's, let's call it 40%. Uh, I don't think it's going to change in position very much. Um, I imagine you're going to call a lot wider than just flushes, which really, uh, really harms your notion of wanting to not pay. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you can see she leads 40% here a fair amount. I imagine your hand's going to play raise a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So queen jack of spades is a pure raise, uh, which I think the big takeaway here for those of us who feel like we're in the muck when we're in this spot is that whenever we have a hand that in theory pure raises and we have some sort of inclination in real time that we want to fold, it just shifts down a level. Mm -hmm. It just becomes a call, right? Like it's too thin now to go for it, um, but it's certainly strong enough that we can never fold it. Uh, and this holds true for pretty much all of your flushes. You don't really have a lot of them because you kind of need pair plus to bet the turn. So, you know, you can see you don't really have like eight, seven of spades. Uh, I mean, I could have queen eight of spades. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean, pair uh, plus, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. like, most of your flushes are going to be, like, queen high, yeah. jack high. Um, I guess you have, like, a little bit of 10-8 of spades, and your inclination there starts to become correct. Like, 10-8 of spades, 80% call, 90% call, mm -hmm. and then a little sliver of raise in there. So, like, once you start to have the 10 high flush or worse, it's really tough to get called by worse, mm -hmm. especially when you have the 10 high because now you're blocking 10x, right? Um, but you can see, like, even king 10 with a spade, wants to get more value. It's a pure raise when it has the 10 of spades. So uh, what we have to understand is that like even when we position somebody to being too tight, if we get cooled off, we get cooled off. There's no saving money here. That's not really the goal. The goal is to just print on every node that we possibly can. And then when we arrive at a break-even node in our minds, we're probably still making money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so you just pay in this particular spot. And when you find yourself in maybe other scenarios, like if you find yourself in this particular situation with a hand like 10x of diamonds, eh, you can hero fold, mm -hmm. you know? You're facing someone breaking flow in a spot where, sure, it's theoretically correct, but does she know that? No, there's no way. There's right. no way population knows that breaking <clears throat> flow is correct there. Correct. So it's like once that lead comes out of the blue... And it kind of just is exactly what it is. It's telegraphing its hand. Yeah. It's like, well, you need to be able to beat the hand that it's obviously telegraphing, which is 10x. Yeah. So once you can beat 10x, you can consider other options. Once you can't beat 10x, you can start to consider folding. And I think that's pretty viable. Yeah. Uh, very interesting one. Um, you know, for, for everybody at home, I think the turn is the, the critical uh, factor where it's yeah. like you just have too much hand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you fall in love with that. So when you have too much hand, it feels like that's when we get to pony up the big bets, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's kind of not true. It's, yeah. it's a bit of the inverse. It's when we have hands that are very valuable, but also need protection. 
that's like the line of where we start to pull our big bets from. Um, and it needs to particularly be on boards where big bets are viable. If you guys would like to submit your own in the muck hand, please be sure to head over to our Discord channel. You can find that at our Twitter page at SolveForYTV. Be sure to give us a follow. It's the pinned comment. Also, big shout out to GTO Wizard. If you guys are interested in getting GTO Wizard AI for yourself, go ahead and hit hashtag wizard in the chat. It'll give you a link, uh, an affiliate link for you guys to sign up. Jamin? Yes, sir. As always, it's a pleasure, sir. Always. Glad you were able to pop in today. Mm -hmm. uh, apologies for no strat chat with Matt today. I changed the times up on him because of a scheduling conflict at Bellagio. But he's going to be here tomorrow, noon Pacific. We're going to be going over a few concepts that we're pretty happy to dive into. Uh, I hope you guys will all join us then. Be sure to give Jamin a follow out on Twitter, at Kilogram. Or be, be sure to follow his vlog on YouTube the drawing dead vlog make sure you like comment subscribe hit that bell let us know what you thought about today's episode and we'll see you guys all noon tomorrow Thanks peace peace